Hi there, welcome to Mosaic Intercultural Church, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I'm the Executive Director and Pastor of Mosaic, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Mosaic, you can find us online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. worshiping with you tonight at Mosaic Church. It's good to be together. And uh, I'm really looking forward to how we're going to experience God as we come to the scriptures and then as we move on and uh, come to the table to celebrate communion together tonight. We're going to read the scripture uh, and then I'm going to pray and then we will dive right in. Our scripture comes from the book of 1 John, which we've been reading this whole Easter season. Easter is still happening. Even as it's Mother's Day tomorrow, it is Easter season. Jesus is alive. He is victorious. And we've been, we have been celebrating his victory and uh, considering what it means for us as we go through the book of 1 John together. This is 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we praise you for your salvation that you've given us in Jesus Christ, your Son. Thank you that you have shown us who you are in Jesus Christ, your Son. And thank you that you have given us your presence, your life, by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would send your Spirit on us as we reflect on these words together, as we reflect on your scriptures, as we listen to you. God, would your voice speak clearly? God, we ask that you would silence every voice that's not of you. We pray that the power and presence of your spirit would fill me and fill each of us, that you would hide all of us together in Jesus, your son, and make us more like him. We pray this in his powerful name. Amen. So without cheating and looking back at the scriptures, imagine that you and I were just kind of out talking and we hadn't just read that passage. I have a question for you. And I wonder what you will think of when I ask you, Who has overcome the world? Who has overcome the world? And maybe that strikes you as a bit of a strange question, apart from the passage that we just read. I mean, what, after all, is the world? And how would you and I know if somebody had actually overcome it? Well, these are good questions. But if you you think of the world as the invisible spiritual realities that destroy God's creation, then your imagination may light up a bit. You know, like what is it about the people around you that makes you really angry? 
What is it about yourself that you want to hide? What is it about this moment in history that makes you weep and cry out with overwhelming sadness or rage? What appeals to your selfish desires? What makes you want to acquire more? What makes you prefer your own comfort over the lives of others? What makes you look down on others? What makes you just want to quit? What makes you want to give up on other people? What makes you want to give up on a tough work situation? What makes you want to give up on a family member? What makes you want to just give up on Jesus? These are the realities of the world. And they are everywhere, everywhere inside us, outside of us, in the church, outside of the church, in the neighborhood, in the home, in the schools, in city hall, in the halls of parliament and in the amusement parks, world, the invisible spiritual realities that seek to destroy God's good creation and rebel against our good creator. So imagine that you want to overcome the world. Of course we want to overcome the world, but when, when you think about like what, how would you know if somebody has actually overcome the world, I also think we probably have some pretty clear ideas of that ourselves. I mean, the people who overcome the world, in our imaginations, I bet, are the people who have rejected the world's assessment of what is important. They're people who have done great good in the midst of great poverty, deprivation, and conflict. They are people who persevered, people who pressed on and who did things that others thought were impossible, and who embraced the ones that others thought were unembraceable. They'd be the ones that you'd feel inspired to meet. You'd be privileged to be connected to. They're the people who, if they told you that your work and life were good, you'd be thrilled. You'd be filled with peace, and you'd be overwhelmed with gratitude and overflowing with confidence. They would be people whose great power and great suffering radiate love. Don't you think? People whose great power and great suffering are fueled by love and radiate love. So who comes to mind? Who do you think of when I ask you, who has overcome the world? I think Nelson Mandela would probably be on that list, don't you? Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Maybe Father Francis Cabango of Rwanda, also a Londoner at one point in his life. <laughs> What about uh, Mother Teresa or St. Teresa of Calcutta? Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? What about Terry LeBlanc? Richard Twiss? Maybe Representative John Lewis? Chief Patsy Corbier of AOK First Nation? What about Mother Jones? Or Murray Taylor? What about the Reverend Dr. John Perkins? Maybe Pastor David? Maybe Jess Gestrabo? Maybe your other youth leaders. I don't know. Perhaps your relatives. Perhaps a parent or a grandparent. Consider what you see in the lives of those people. None of them. None of them is perfect. But with their flaws, with their struggles, with their own brokenness and pain, they are concrete proof that the world, with all its wickedness and power, does not win. They are real people. They are broken people. They are angry and struggling people. And they have overcome the world. They have lived with great love. They have suffered much. They have done lasting good. 
And in their lives, Jesus lives the story of his life again and again. They show us the reality of what it means to be born of God. And they show us that being born of God is beautiful. Now stop for a moment and consider again that person that you thought of when I asked who has overcome the world. How do you feel about their life? Stop and think about them. Imagine their face and and pay attention to what stirs inside of you. What do you feel when you think about their life? What stirs in your heart when you think of them? I bet that their quiet power and their capacity for suffering and their deep love draw you to a place of quiet wonder and joy. People who have overcome the world because of Jesus, their lives are like the early light of sunrise that paints the underside of the clouds. You know what I'm talking about? You know when it's early in the morning and the sun is just peeking up over the horizon and and there's a cloud cover and the sun just lights it up. Lights up the underside of the clouds and the radiant peach and, and pink colors fill the sky. And when you're heading out in the morning, you might be groggy, you might be grumpy, you might be in a rush. But the glow of the sunrise under the clouds arrests our attention. And it raises our eyes to heaven. And it changes the way we breathe, it strengthens us, and it lifts our spirits. So it is with those who have overcome the world. They carry the beauty of Jesus himself, who is living his life, his story, in them. When God takes human life into his life, when the light of God's infinite love is refracted and reflected through the lives of finite people, when God's infinite goodness and power is revealed in the humble and the suffering, there is beauty. Now for many of us, uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta, known as Mother Teresa, probably to most of us Protestants, she's a brilliant light that we look at and we say, oh yes, we see the glory of God in her. No question. We behold the beauty of Jesus in her. She moved from her home in Macedonia or Albania down to Kolkata in India. We pray for the people in India who are suffering so much right now. And she moved to Kolkata out of love for Jesus and love for the people that Jesus loves. She relocated her life to Kolkata. And there in Kolkata, she loved the dying. She instructed and rebuked the powerful. She embraced the dirty, the diseased, and the the discarded. She drew them close to her heart. And she built, she, she started a whole religious order focused on that call. She advocated, organized, and infuriated people, all for the sake of the least of us, and all out of obedience to Jesus, out of her love for Jesus. And so we look at her and we say, yes, she was born of God. Yes, she overcame the world. But then we look back at ourselves and we say, oh, but I couldn't be like that. I can't be like her. She's Saint Teresa. They call her a saint for a reason. But do you know where Saint Teresa saw Jesus living the story of his life? Do you know where she saw those who were born of God? Do you know where she saw the beautiful light of God when she, and what brought her to moments of wonder and awe? She told this story in a speech before the leaders of the United States a few years ago, back in 1994. She's in front of the president, the first lady, the vice president, the, the second lady, 
in front of senators, congressmen, all this kind of stuff. And congresswomen, everybody's there. And this is, she, this is part of her speech. She said, one evening we went out and we picked up four people from the street. And one of them was in a most terrible condition. I told the sisters, you take care of the other three. I will take care of the one who looks worse. So I did for her all that my love can do. I put her in bed. And there was such a beautiful smile on her face. She took hold of my hand as she said one word only. Thank you. And she died. I could not help but examine my conscience before her. And I asked, what would I say if I were in her place? And my answer was very simple. I would have tried to draw a little attention to myself. I would have said, I am hungry. I am dying. I am cold. I am in pain. Or something. But she gave me much more. She gave me her grateful love. And she died with a smile on her face. Then there was the man we picked up from the drain half eaten by worms, and after we had brought him to the home, he only said, I have lived like an animal in the street, but I am going to die as an angel, loved and cared for. Then, after we had removed all the worms from his body, all he said, with a big smile, was, Sister, I am going home to God. And he died. It was so wonderful to see the greatness of that man who could speak like that without blaming anybody, without comparing anything, like an angel. This is the greatness of people who are spiritually rich, even when they are materially poor. Those are the words of St. Teresa of Kolkata. She saw Jesus living the story of his life in these discarded and dying and decaying people. In them, she saw the reality that, as our scripture says, everyone who believes in Jesus and everybody who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everybody, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. And as she beheld the greatness of Jesus in these, the least of the least, she examined her own life before him and before them confessed her own sin. She saw in them the obedience to God's command that she aspired to. When I read that story, an image came to my mind. And it was an image of a king. Now sometimes we call God the king. The great king of kings, the lord of lords. And he is. He's beyond all rulers. And all authority itself uh, comes from the the authority of God, which is uh, this beautiful fellowship of love. Now, there are some kings, rulers in our time, CEOs, who demand that people be silent and respectful in their presence. They resent anybody who competes with them. And they are simply intent on preserving their own power. And that's one of the big reasons why we have democracy today, is that we, as a whole society, decided that's not okay. But in my imagination, I see the throne room of God, not some petty king throne room of God, and it's filled with people dressed with fine robes, standing straight and tall. And then there are some little kids who have dirt in their hair, they got mud caked on their hands, they smell a little funky, and their clothes have holes in them. And there's a lot of them in God's throne room, in the court of the living God. 
And God is on the floor with them in his fine robes. And God has one of these kids in his lap. And the kid has God's own crown on her head. And that child is laughing and pretending to give commands. And she's imaginatively imaginatively playing God. And God is laughing and smiling and guiding her. Now the other people in the court, those dressed in royal robes, they really are God's noble people. They don't get uptight. They don't get stressed out. They don't say this is improper. Instead, when they see that this little dirty girl has the crown of the living God on her head, they do what everybody who really knows God would do. They bow down before her with smiles on their faces. And all the other children join in. And all the well-dressed people and the dirty children, everybody plays together. And there's glory, and there's joking, and there's gravity, and there's frivolity. There's heaviness and weight and lightness and joy in the court of God in heaven. I think that's a beautiful picture. But I want to ask you this. How do you think that little girl on God's lap would feel? The one who has the crown of Almighty God on her forehead. The one who has the delight of her Heavenly Father filling her ears, her body, and her voice. I think she would feel profound safety. I think she'd feel strong peace, powerful confidence. I think she'd feel deep dignity. And I also think, clearly, she would feel permission. She would feel the permission to be what her Creator intended her to be. And she would have the power to become it. Now, how do you think that little girl would experience school? Maybe at her school, she has very few friends. Maybe at her school, she's an outcast. Maybe she's lonely. Maybe people make fun of her at her school because of her clothes and the way that she smells. How might she experience school? When their insults enter her ears... Wouldn't those ears who have felt the whispering breath of God Almighty say, those insults don't belong to me. They don't belong in these ears. And don't you think that those insults would lose their power to lodge in her soul, where the glory and the dignity of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has taken up residence? This reality of being born of God is not only beautiful, But as all beauty truly is, it's very useful, very practical. It's very powerful. It has real transformative effect on people's lives. Countless families and individuals throughout history would agree with these words from the African-American theologian and leader Howard Thurman. He said, the awareness of being a child of God results in a new courage, fearlessness, and power. I have seen it happen again and again. He also wrote, The awareness that a person is the child of the God of religion who is at one and the same time the God of life creates a profound faith in life that nothing can destroy. He also said, If the elders, if the parents, the aunts and uncles, the the adults in the room around these children, 
if the elders understand in their own experiences and lives the tremendous insight that we are born of God, it is possible for them to share their enthusiasm with their children. It is contagious, and we know that's true. It will put into the hands of the child the key for unlocking their hopes. In communities that were completely barren, with no apparent growth edge, without any point to provide light for the disadvantaged, I have seen children grow up without fear, with quiet dignity, and such high purpose that the mark which they set for themselves has even been transcended. Those are the words of Howard Thurman. Friend, in Jesus Christ, God has given us this key to hope. The hope that children and all those who are suffering under the weight of the world need. It's in your hand. The key to hope is in your hand and it's in my hand. We have the key to hope in a world overwhelmed with hopelessness. We, are be- we who are being born of God have Jesus Christ living his story in us with all of his courage, his fearlessness, his power. Jesus is alive in us in a place and in a time where our neighbors are struggling with fear, with faint-heartedness, with powerlessness. The world is beating people down. Within the church, in the neighborhood, in our families, in our government, the world is keeping children captive. It's placing a ceiling on their lives that will keep their faces ground into the gravel. But everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. This gift, of encountering the living Jesus and being filled with his life, it is a real gift. It has profound consequences for elders and for young ones, for individuals and for communities, now and in the future. We have been given the key. Let's offer it to those who need it so that they may walk with us in the freedom and joy of the children of God. Now let me say this a bit more practically. We as a church need to prioritize our plans and our prayers so that everything that we do as a church helps people to be born of God and to live as people who have overcome the world because Jesus is alive in them. Everything we prioritize and plan needs to help people encounter Jesus alive and to have the opportunity opportunity to place their faith in him and to be born of God that they might live as people who have overcome the world. Let us beg God to fill us in ways that we have not yet experienced with the power of his Holy Spirit. Let us beg God to give us power and courage to share the good news of Jesus with our neighbors and friends so that they may also overcome the world, which is oppressing them, so that in Jesus Christ they might find freedom and rest for their souls. And let us ask God for grace to live as people who have overcome the world. To suffer, yes, out of love for people that Jesus loves. To learn the skills of doing good so that our lives might demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit to bring healing. And to be transformed by the love of God so that his love fuels us and radiates through us. And lastly, I want to remind us of what Taffy and Caitlin in the research group called us to last week. We've been invited by them to share our laments, our longings, and our joy to share all of those with God and with the church. 
We're getting ready for Pentecost Sunday on the on May or Pentecost weekend on May the 22nd and 23rd. So we've been asked to bring our laments, our longings, and our joy to God and to the church. So let us lament that so many people, so many people are suffering under the oppression and the captivity of the world when they could know the joy and the power of being born of God. That should move our hearts and make us cry out in compassion and with a lament to God to say, God, how is this the case? So many people that you created are being oppressed by this world when they could know the joy and the power of being born of God. Let's ask God to increase our longing for others to be overcomers of the world and to enter life as those born of God. And let us also rejoice that God has given to us, as his people, to people of all nations and all tribes and all social statuses, even those who are dying, decayed, and discarded in all nations of the world, in all cities and neighborhoods of the world. Even to them, God has given us the victory that overcomes the world, which is our faith in Jesus Christ. Let us rejoice that even in our brokenness and anger, our suffering and our sorrow, we have overcome the world because God has made us his children and Christ is living his story, his life in us. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon podcast from Mosaic Intercultural Church in London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam. And I want to thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about Mosaic and about the work that we do, please check us out online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com.